Welcome to Mouthing Off with Olivia. Hey guys, it's Olivia Caridi from The Bachelor, the girl with probably the biggest mouth you've ever seen. But now I'm using my huge mouth to talk really smart things with my favorite reality stars, influencers, YouTubers, you name it. They're going to mouth off too. Damn. This is Mouthing Off with Olivia. Okay, everybody, it took me long enough to make this podcast happen, but I have Aubrey from Survivor. Finally, you requested it. It is happening. I am so excited to be here, Olivia. Thank you for having me. I was super flattered when you reached out because I have always kind of followed you and your (laughs) mental health and wellness journey through reality television. And though we have some differences, I think we might speak the same language. I think we might. I want to talk about the show, but honestly, we'll probably just talk about our brains for 45 minutes, which is also fine. That's all good. (laughs) I love to start these shows with why you wanted to go on Survivor. I know you were a fan for a long time before, but what what the casting process was like when you just said, okay, let's let's do this thing. Sure. So I have loved Survivor since 2000. Uh, I loved Greg Bui. I don't know how to say his name. The kind of kooky guy who went to Brown University, <laughs> which is where I went. He was always a character. And I have always had this like crazy thing about wanting to challenge myself. Yeah. And I love being outside. And it was something I always shared with my family. So I kept kind of working myself up to it. Like, do it, do it. Should you do it? And there are a couple of times I didn't put an app. But then I watched this season Kagayan that Tony had won the first brain brawn beauty and there were so many different kind of characters but I felt like I knew them Sarah Lucina Trish Spencer and I was like put in a tape so I put in a tape I've watched it by the way oh did you see Ron Jeremy in it yeah I just just love your tape it's so it's so like you authentically and it was really a fun watch honestly well thank you it was so hard to record that in terms of the casting process one of the hardest things has to be doing that take like it's the first time you're on camera like you are so aware of the camera then now i'm like there's a camera i'll go to the bathroom i don't care let me wipe my bum (laughs) yeah it doesn't matter now but it was tough it was tough and it was a process to get through casting too What's your advice? I know this is the common question, but for okay. anyone who who is also going through casting or wants to, like what worked for you that you think would work for other people? So I think the first thing I would say is, and I always go back to Stephen Fishback's tips mm-hmm. about how to be cast. Be louder than you ever thought you had to be because you can have a great personality and it just doesn't pop on camera. So mm-hmm. I knew right away to be a kind of crazier version of myself. There are a lot of versions of myself. I knew to be the louder one because it's camera, a camera, right? right. The other thing that I did is I had to trust. I had to trust in the person who was casting me, who was absolutely incredible. She was like, look, you're going to do this now. You're going to do that. They want to see this. They don't want to see that. And I was like, she knows what to do. I'm gonna listen to her. And I also knew what my role was. Like I knew where I went to school. I knew a part of the country I was from. And I know that I'm kind of quirky and wear glasses. So I said to myself, that's who you are right now. Go for it. And it's authentically me. But you kind of have to commit to that part of your personality that you know that they're looking for. Yeah, just be loud. That would be my advice for like any TV show really. It's just be you and be it loud. Right. Open your mouth and be loud. <laughs> you know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I actually wanted to talk. You, you mentioned Brown. And I love this story about convincing your advisors to write a children's book about 
a manatee instead of a really, really long thesis. Like, why did I never do that? I got to tell you, Olivia, that's the way to go. When in doubt, write a kid's book and convince them that it's just as academic as anything else. It totally is. It was a craft. It took it took the work. There were five languages, Spanish, English, Haitian Creole, Portuguese, uh, maybe some French in there. I don't remember. But the point of the matter was... I love to write. I was a writer. I still feel like journalist was the one label I ever felt comfortable with. Yep. But I didn't like thesis papers. Too long for me. I want to craft something beautifully that's small and speaks to all of my creative talent. And so I decided to write a kid's book about a manatee searching for his long lost father in Brazil. <laughs> and they, they let me do it. And it, it really was just as hard, if not harder than a thesis. But yeah, I just like to tell stories in different ways. I don't think writing is the only way. That's why I, I love to talk. Obviously, I love talking. I love illustrating and melting crayons and canvas. And so I just went with that and they believed me. So that was like my first my first job at really convincing someone to do something a bit outrageous, I guess you could I say. I feel like it needs to be published. I would love to publish my children's book. I That's something that I think about a lot. I just have to get to the doing it of it all. That's the hardest part, always. It is, and it's almost like something to do for yourself, too, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm not always the best at saying, I want this for myself. Megan Gilbert said, was there anyone from previous seasons that you related to or learned some gameplay from? I've always thought she played a lot, a lot like Cochran. Uh, yeah. So I got the Cochran comparison a lot. Uh, I think that Cochran and I are similar in that we uh, make very deep connections with people and that can make them very unhappy when we go away. Um, But it can also kind of be the deep relationship that you need uh, to make a move happen. That's what happened in my first season. I made close relationships. I was able to really kind of pull some strings with Ty. Um, Cochran is always someone I looked up to. I always looked up to Suri. I mean, I would only strive to be more like Suri in my life. And the other person I actually really loved is someone I got to play with on my uh, second season was Sarah Lucina. Uh, she was on that first Brain Brawn Beauty uh, season, and there's a steadiness to her that I really aspire to have. And she was someone who really inspired me as well. And she's someone I still am happy to call a very dear friend. So, what experiences did you go through growing up, or maybe just some random things that? ended up being helpful in Survivor. I have always kind of been the person in middle school who would speak up for the little guy. Uh, I never felt like I could be bullied because I wouldn't let people do that to me. I would often defend other people. So I definitely had moments in Survivor where I realized someone was on the bottom. They were not in a position of power and everyone was kind of casting them aside. And I saw that as an opportunity, just have a little bit of empathy and that can go a long way. And then the other thing that I think was a blessing at the beginning of Survivor, but then in a way is something I really have to work on is that I was definitely raised with this inherent, intrinsic, you never quit mentality, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. was amazing for Survivor. Like, outwit, outplay, outlast. Like, if the game was outlast, I think I would would win win every time. Every damn time. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So it's important to kind of push yourself to the limit. And my first season especially, and my third one with the Edge of Extinction really tested me on that. Like, through infection, through hunger, through like jamming my knee, just keep going. But 
So why that helped me on Survivor, it's something now that I'm learning that just because something isn't impossibly hard doesn't mean that it's not worthwhile. You said you love the outdoors. So like being outside was never an issue for you, things like that. So as everybody saw my my first season, especially, it was a shock at first. I think I had a panic attack on the second day. I think a lot of people thought it was because I was outside. And that was that was true. And that it was 118 degrees, like 100 degrees humidity. But that was more my mind. Okay. Um, when I finally calmed down and got my anxiety under control, I feel very comfortable outside where I will say peeing outside is one of my greatest pleasures in life to this day. There is nothing like it. And I think it's because on Survivor, when you would go take a leak or 10-1 as we call it, it's some of the only time you have alone. So now if I'm like on a hike, I'm like, yes, I'm on Los Leones. I can pee by myself. I get 10 seconds on my own to take a piddle. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So what was something that you just like hated doing out there? This is going to sound really random, but there would be times we get back super late from tribal or something. And this is very specific to Survivor. But just walking over the sand when you haven't eaten for weeks upon end and you have to, like, climb a sandy hill, that was, like, the worst part. You couldn't move. It was not great. That and also, like, killing chickens. Oh. Uh, never my favorite. Uh, Sandra would always joke to me that you need a Puerto Rican on Survivor, she would say, because we know how to, to do the whole chicken process. And she was right. She learned very well from her family. But no matter what I did, I could not warm up to the whole chicken processing. But I was glad I had Sandra Diaz Twine there to help me out with her skills from her family. Well, and I'm sure everyone and various skills helped make it all kind of come together in many ways. Yes, absolutely. That's one of the things I love is it's amazing how some people, even in a challenge, like I could always dive under the water, which people were surprised about. Other people couldn't do that, but they were the climbers. I couldn't climb a rope if I wanted to. That's why I leave that to Joe Anglum every time. <laughs> so we saw Aubrey Bracco on Co Rong. Yes. And then it was Game Changers. And then yes. just recently, Edge of Extinction, which we had just talked to Kelly Wentworth who was yes. also on edge. So yeah. that's just the rundown of every season. And everyone wanted to know your strategy going into Korong. Yeah. So my strategy going into Korong, I studied everything. Did I you? listened to everything. I was like very technical and academic about Survivor. Mm -hmm. But I knew going into Korong that I don't look like an athlete at all. Like I've a little bit awkward when I run doesn't feel like how's this gonna happen and I knew I'd be underestimated so my strategy going in was to be underestimated and then to kind of cobble together like strange mixes of people like I've always gotten along with older people very well like I used to hang out in my hometown in New Hampshire with the 80 year olds in the cafe and get stories that way but then you kind of talked about this day two you have a panic attack yes is that something lifelong that you have dealt with, anxiety, or, or was that something that was aggravated because of Survivor? Sure. So um, there are times after doing Survivor three times and playing 111 days where I think, how why did I do this to myself? But then I've realized that 
it's not that's not the thing to say the thing to say is thank god i did this Mm -hmm. because i realized that this is something i have to take a hold of and i would say that panic attack was the first time i ever had a panic attack Mm. and realized i had a panic attack any other time i'd say oh you're just nervous or you're freaking out but that was the first time i realized like oh wow you have legitimate anxiety and you need to get a handle on it yeah so i didn't know going in now i know that i deal with anxiety and i deal with depression very much i just did not know until that moment on national tv where i blacked out and didn't even remember well and it's hard to be introspective about something that happened so long ago yes what brought it on you you mentioned the heat uh you know being outside what kind of started it if you can remember i think I will say on Survivor, every time I've played, I feel very uncomfortable the first few days. Um, I am someone in terms of the social dynamics. I can get along with anyone, but I found on Survivor going in, just knowing I'm hopping into a group of people that wants to vote me out. I have had a hard time where I like to step back in life and observe for, observe first before I engage. And you can't really do that on Survivor. You have to hop right in. So I remember that day I was feeling like I couldn't socially, I wasn't as chatty, even though I'm very chatty when you get to know me, as some of the other tribe mates. And remember thinking, oh, I'm falling behind. Oh, it's so hot. Oh, I'm having a hard time. I haven't had enough water because I want to boil it and I don't want to get sick. And then it was just kind of this worrying of not doing this. I'm not doing that. And I quite literally blacked out. I don't remember. Um, that moment but it was the other thing was i was so excited to be on the show i'd watched since i was a kid i remember sitting on the beach and looking at the tribe flag and thinking oh my gosh i'm in the tv oh but i'm not in the tv i'm here i'm watching it but there are cameras i'm so confused so it was like all these different versions of reality were all over the place. And I think my brain couldn't like codify them and put them together and understand what was happening. And that I just like my circuit overloaded. I mean, I know there were moments you contemplated quitting. Like were were you actively going to quit at any point? Uh, No, I do remember the feeling I have is I hope they don't make me quit because I had to call the doctor. I thought something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I hope they don't make me quit. But I could see how other people there thought that was me having an intention to quit which was not the case. Did you ever think of quitting? Oh, Mike, all the time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I know the feeling of, of like you're not in control and everything is is wonky and there's cameras everywhere and people wanting different things from you. And it's just very, um, whether it's day two or day however many, yep. it's incredibly difficult to deal with. It is. And I think a lot of people will say, well, you should have known this or you signed up for this or this and that. And here's what I would say, that no human is built for all of that input, whether that's the input on the ground of being filmed or the input of the social media and everything that comes after it. Like, I like to equate for me Survivor as on any given day, you wake up uh, in camp and it's almost as if you're in a a fun house with all these different mirrors. And that's because you have so many people interpreting you different ways. That's Mm -hmm. because you are seeing every part of yourself in such intensity when you're in confessionals versus the face you put on in camp. And it really is like you start to be distorted about all these aspects of yourself. Mm -hmm. And you are like, how is this in one person? And which one do I have to be now? And that's from 
playing the actual game and interacting with the other contestants, as I'm sure you can relate to, to the social media input and everyone telling you who you are and how you should feel and what you are after the fact. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in in terms of like the actual external stuff, but then your internal reaction to all of that. Well, it's incredibly difficult. You know, you're sitting there, there's cameras in your face, at least on Survivor, you're strategizing, you're constantly on edge thinking, is this person my friend? Is this person my ally? You're trying to be social, but you don't, you want to say enough, but not too much. Right. You don't know how it's all going to show to America. And then America has their opinions and shoves them down your throat and and knows what you should have done in this situation and what you should have done here. And it's just, it's easy to comment on something that you haven't lived before, but like until you've really been in that situation, Right. In that pressure cooker, it's very difficult to to speak on that. That's all I'm going right. to say. And what, did you feel like you, and when you were there with your experience, were you aware, like, oh, America's going to think this or that? I never one time even thought of how any of it would play out yes. for America. It's, how could you? I wish I had in many ways. Mm-hmm. But in the mm-hmm. moment... I don't know if you can say you got comfortable with cameras, but you really do feel like this is real life and you're all just, this is how it is. Right. And the other thing that I think is kind of a funny dissonance or whatever the word is, is that when I would go on confessionals, I don't know if you call them confessionals or similar. Yeah. To me, that was like going to the therapist that became the safe place. So, but that's also being, that's also being filmed. And I, I was, I always felt like everything was very representative in my case. I thought your confessionals were good. Yeah. But, but it's funny to think that like, there's a part where like the private time with the camera, which is still recording the whole thing is like solace. Yeah. It's wild. Sarah Aubrey said, obviously, as we just discussed, we saw her anxiety affect her. How was she able to regain her composure and push herself to be the epic game player she is today? Oh, that's very sweet. Cause I often feel like I'm the washed up. Nah, no, it's, you understand though. Yeah. It's, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I will say this, you know, those gymnasts in life that make everything look easy, like Nadia Kolmanich or I don't know, think of any athlete that makes everything look easy. I'm the opposite of them. <laughs> I make everything look way harder than it needs to be. Yep. So I, I think it was that I was vulnerable and let it all hang out there, but then I am able to kind of like pull it together. I am an incredibly sensitive, emotional person, but I have like an intense fire at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I would say to that, like, yes, you saw the sensitive part of me and then the fiery side came out and I knew how to pull my, you know what, together. Pull and your panties on. Yeah, I just had to do it. And then I, I would think to myself, okay, one day, one hour, one minute, one second, one half a second, I'll get through this. Otherwise... It is just exceedingly overwhelming in the moment. So that helped me. In many moments on on KR, you were down and found a way to fight until the very end. And Savannah Miller put it in a good way for anyone who didn't watch the show. The finale of KR, where Michelle won a challenge that allowed her to remove one member of the jury. She removed your ally, Neil. Do you think things would have gone your way had Neil been there to, I don't know, argue on your behalf? Yeah, um, I have thought about this. Trust me, I dreamt about Survivor Co-Wrong every single day until the 
uh, reading of the votes, which was only 10 days before I flew out right. for Game Changers, which is insane. Yeah. Um, I, if Neil were there, the difference would have been, I would have voted out Scott yep. off the jury, but I still think it's possible I don't win. And uh, Neil was, Neil is wonderful. I love him to death. He is like soul family and he was very adamant that he thought I should win at Ponderosa. And I had heard people say that he was driving them crazy advocating for me. So I think it was actually possible that I would lose because they didn't want. Because he was turning people off with his support, maybe. Possibly, yes. Mm -hmm. So is it, it would have been better for me. But the thing that really would have been better for me is if Joe didn't get Metafact on day 35 because he ate red meat for the first time in 20 years. That to me... Uh, though the guys told me they were going to vote for Joe just to spite me if he got to the end. So I, I don't really, I don't really know. There's a lot of like should and could have happened, but who really knows? It was the time, it was the place, and Scott Pollard and company were not putting up, taking up what I was putting down. In general, though, did you go home and kind of run through everything in your mind? Like, what could I have done differently and, and all that? Every single day, yeah, for over a year. We had the longest wait in Survivor because they filmed uh, 31, which was Second Chances, after us, but it was America's Vote, so they aired it first. Right. Uh, so it wouldn't have made sense to put us before them. And so we had the longest wait in the history of Survivor to have the votes read, and every single day, like, you, the text messages to my mom, like, anyone would see it and probably check me in now. I went through everything, everything I said, every word I said, everything I said to Sydney, what I didn't say to Sydney, how I could have maybe not crossed out a vote. That And that's the other thing is people get so heated about me online they and do. so opinionated and it's the opposite things. And I'm just like, do you not think I haven't thought of every effing thing that you're saying? Like, it, that's why I had to stop looking because it's, I've thought of it all. Like I've lived the same thought process that everyone has fighting about it <laughs> well for anyone who doesn't know michelle wins aubrey doesn't spoiler alert <laughs> as you said i mean it was like polar opposites divided and very divisive for a lot of people who were team aubrey team michelle to the point where it was like you had to hate on one to support the other to this day yeah it's hard because I, I, I michelle's great you've said that yeah that you're friends so that must be supremely frustrating it, w it was, and Michelle and I are friends, but I would say, like, we're friends, but we don't keep in touch all the time, and I, I do think that part of it is that the two, I'm always like, don't blame me, Michelle, or Ty. We didn't have a vote. No. We no. just did the best we could, and if you're sitting at the end, you want to win, and it, it's hard because it's like, I know Michelle for a time couldn't go through a day where she didn't hear my name, and I have the same thing. I hear her name probably every day of my life, and... Mm. That's a little bit um, hard. And I, I get it. If you like Michelle, that's great. But that doesn't mean you have to, like, crap on me and say I'm a garbage human. Like, the crap I get still is, like, really? Or or when I voted for Chris to win right. the last season, people were like, this is why you deserve to lose the first season. And that's what fully threw me over the edge. Pun intended, pun not intended. We will talk about the Chris stuff, because obviously that's oh, sure. very popular <laughs> with people. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's that you've talked about, as well as that goes into this kind of team Michelle, team Aubrey thing, is that you never said you were robbed. 
you never played victim and yet the audience is, is still really vocal. Is it just in general really hard to read that people are getting so heated while you're still trying to be really classy about all this? Yeah, so I would say, first of all, thank you for saying that I didn't play the victim ever. I I really appreciate that because that's something is I, that's probably one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when people play the victim, but I also very strongly believe everyone should have a voice that they feel comfortable expressing. And just because you express an opinion doesn't mean that you think you're a victim. So I appreciate you saying that because I think people conflate that. But in the moment, yeah, it was really hard. It was it was odd, though, because as I mentioned, I went to Game Changers 10 days after the finale. So I didn't quite understand mm-hmm. the insanity that happened after the show, because I guess it continued into the summer. And you were gone. Yeah, I was gone. And it was it was hard. It was hard. And the thing I found the hardest in the immediate aftermath was that there's something funny on Survivor where everyone, including me, uh hindsight is 2020 and things have history has a tendency to rewrite itself through the minds of survivors who play and of course the they play through their own vision and they are the center of the narrative for themselves right so i had a hard time with the revisionist history stuff and now i just have a hard time with like people think that they know me like intimately because I was very emotional on the show. I have been the center with Michelle of a lot of kind of dissection. So I have realized that I am everything to anyone and nothing to anyone. And I can't control what they think about me. So I've tried to remain classy, but another thing I did is I remained classy, but for a long time that meant not speaking at all. And that ended up really hurting me because I stuffed everything down for about three years. And then I kind of just like, it all came out. But you mentioned the, the timing of, you know, when America found out that Michelle had won and then you going off for game changers. Do you think that to have a controversial loss and then to go into filming, was that kind of bad timing for you in many ways? I would say it was good timing in that for me, it had been a year of waiting and I felt relieved that it was just over. So on one hand, it was good, like, yay, Korong's over, go for it. And the other thing I think helped me for game changers is that the people who were playing didn't know me face to face because I followed the rules. I didn't go to parties. I didn't meet former survivors that much. Mm -hmm. So I was in a good spot in that way. It was bad timing in that I didn't get to process my first experience and I lumped another one right on top of it. So good in that I didn't really know and people didn't know me so I could kind of hide in the grass a little bit, which Mm -hmm. I did in Game Changers with all the big personalities to get to fifth place. But bad in that personally, I did not even like understand what had just happened because I don't think Survivor is fully over until the airing ends and then even that it's not really fully over until a new season starts and there's somebody else who's the center of conversation so here's a question that I loved from Logan Hames it's kind of long so bear with me I'm a teacher in Jacksonville Florida and my middle schoolers watched Game Changers and you were their favorite classroom 128 is a huge fan She was a great role model for them in showing respectful social skills in tough environments. Thank you. Does she have any advice or encouraging words for little awkward middle schoolers as they head into life? (laughs) Yeah, Classroom 128 in Jacksonville, Florida. You guys are very sweet. And what (laughs) what I would say is that 
the things that people might tell you are negative or say that you're weak are actually your superpowers. That to be vulnerable is one of the biggest superpowers in the world. To have empathy where you feel your emotions so intensely means that you can understand how other people might feel mm -hmm. and then you can be there for them and you can use that to connect with people and find strength in yourself and connect with people so you have strength together. So anything that someone says is your weakness, that's just a perception. You determine who you are and you use what your weakness is in quotes to be your superpower. That's what I'd say. Dang. Whoa. I appreciate that they liked me in Game Changers too because I think that was actually my best season of Survivor play, but I wasn't really on camera. What, why do you think that was? I knew immediately that the way I was going to get through that season, having been so recent and with three other people from Co-Rong on it, there were four of us, me, yes. Debbie, Ty, Caleb, was going to be to duck and let the bigger personalities take each other out. Yeah, I mean, I, that's probably how I would have handled it, too. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, it was, I was saying crazy stuff in confessionals, but I very much was, like, in the dark with a lot of stuff. So, for me in that, that season, my biggest move was convincing Sarah it was time to take out Debbie, but Sarah was going to do what she was going to do. She's right. such a damn good player, that girl. But it's also incredible when you say that, how you handled it, that you, you got to fifth place. It's like another example of, you just keep hanging on. Yeah, it really is true in Survivor. Like, when you think there is no hope left, there's a way to pull it out. Like, I'll never forget the day we voted out Scott Pollard. Yep. Like, I had just come in second, and the immunity against Jason with the pots. We were there for, like, an hour and a half holding our arms out. And I knew I was toast, but I was like, nope. And I remember going back to camp being like, you got to do this, this, and this. And it's going to be like dismantling a bomb at the end of the movie Speed. And Keanu Reeves is under the bus going 50 miles an hour. And there are a lot of wires. But if you just uncross them the right way, there's a way to stay. You just need a minute and you need a little space to get that work done. And after Game Changers, were you at a place, obviously we know you went on Edge of Extinction, but... At that point, were you like, I'm, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore? Well, yeah, that's what I told everybody. Um, and I know that I upset a lot of people by saying I was done and then going anyway. Was I done? I was done logically where I knew like it can't get better. Mm -hmm. But I think Survivor still had my heart. Like I still wanted to win. I'm a competitor, like don't stop me. <laughs> uh, so I thought I was done. I guess I wasn't done, but in the meantime, I say I did my own little survivor in the year off. I moved across the country. I uh, had the end of a relationship that had been five years, which was a lot. I uh, got a new job, got a new apartment. And in my mind, I was done, but I always kind of like felt in my solar plexus that I wasn't done. Well, you and Kelly... And Andrea, who I've talked to, all refer yes. to Survivor as an addiction. It's a drug, for sure. I need some insight into what is so addicting about it. I think the thing that helps me understand it is I will go back, and I, I made a point to write down my memories of the first time. I wish I had done it more the yeah. second, too. But the way I even describe the beginning of Survivor Korong and the boat in Cambodia... Mm -hmm. 
the colors truly were brighter than any I've seen in my life. They're almost neon to the point where like if if my brain were like old fashioned film, the colors were so bright, they just burn right through the film. Like everything is so heightened. You get to experience the lowest of low of human experience. I had a staph infection on my leg and Neil got medevaced. I'll never forget that with the idol in his pocket. Still mad about that. Excuse me, in his pants. Um, <laughs> and then you, you the lowest of low and then that's followed up 15 hours later by the highest of highs. Like I never thought a bite of like cold beef wellington would taste as delicious as it did on the day i got the reward with michelle and yep. sydney and we went to a private island so yeah it's an addiction in every sense of the word you are putting yourself to the test for me it really is like the actual experience of being in nature like that and the other thing too is there's something so powerful about having human interaction that's mm -hmm. so face-to-face and it's so real. It's just, there's nothing beats it. But that's followed up by the disappointment that the very thing that made the experience incredible are the very things that kind of redefine it when yeah. you're home. True. Where you don't have a phone and you're like human to human contact and you come home, it's all about the phone and how many likes you can get on your survivor tweet. And then that can dissolve relationships. So, so without getting too in depth about Yep. everything. One of the best moments, at least for, for those of us who watched, was you getting the idol, oh, finally. Thanks. Bailey Scott said, how long did she look for the idol that she finally found? I forget if I found it on day four, but I, I looked for days. I was out there at night when they were all fishing. I just sprint into the woods. Uh, so days. That was that was a real journey. I was talking to myself. I was talking to Ty. I call him the idol whisperer, my <laughs> soulmate Ty from my first two seasons. And it was days, but it was also felt like a years long search because it really was every emotion kind of culminated in that moment. Do you think that was why you did get so emotional about finding it? Yeah, I think the idol and winning were the two things I had never done. Mm hmm. And for whatever my survivor bucket list, just to have that moment kind of alone like that, it just meant everything to me. And I, I think I came into the season stuffing it down that I was fine and survivor didn't affect me and I was an expert. And I had started to realize at the beginning of that season, like all of these things that I logically knew I had gotten over, I still was processing in my heart. And then when I got that idol, it was just like all the emotion of all of these things that I hadn't fully worked through, but I had had to put on a face for the past few years to be in the public eye just kind of came out. What was it like to be voted out with that idol in your pocket? <laughs> well, to pull another Kelly Wentworth. Uh, yeah. I will say, I love you, Kelly. I did have a little solace knowing I was not alone on yep. that season. Um, <laughs> and Andrea had come before me, and they are two dear people to me. It sucked. Like, I, I, like, in my heart and intuition knew I was going home, but I wanted anything, like, not to be lied to, to, like, make it work, so I logically convinced myself that I was fine, which makes absolutely no sense, but um, it sucked. Esther Carden said, did Aubrey like the concept of Edge of Extinction? 
Yes, I love the concept edge of extinction. I'm sorry, people are going to say I'm pandering to production or they're going to be pissed off. I've heard it all, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm totally not angry about this at all. Um, did I like it? The thing I liked is Survivor for me really is like, I guess I'm a purist. It's so fun. I used to laugh at the people who said old school, new school, because I was always a new school player to yep. people. But I think I'm super old school. I liked that there was this component of like, you have to survive out there. And that was real because to me, I was sick of having people come on, not know how to make fire, not know how to find food, not know how to scrap their way and make it work. And the edge of extinction forced you to do it. And I'm getting heated talking about it. Make it work. You make it work. And that's the thing. The show's been on the air for 20 years. They're doing something right, whether you like the theme or not. Right. So I liked it. No judgment here. On the <laughs> other hand, is there a theme or a twist or a reward that you think should go bye-bye? Oh, yeah. This is very controversial. In this season, I said the family visit, actually, oh, right. yeah. which makes me seem super callous. I loved having my sister there. One of my biggest survivors, sadness, regrets is I couldn't get my mom there. They didn't have a family visit the first mm. time. The second, I didn't make it. I got a little frustrated at times with the family visit, especially in Game Changers, that people played for the family visit and would make decisions to get there as opposed to the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And in that particular game where I was positioned, that was kind of screwing my game that other people, because I wasn't in power, were making decisions for the family visit. Right. So I was like, oh, please, no. And also... It's very jarring to have a family member out there. Like, I was glad we didn't have one in co wrong because I would have been so distracted and, like, emotional True. after seeing my mom that I wouldn't have been able to move on. Very controversial. Gonna get There's my hot, hot take. There you go. Well, I listened to Rob Has a Podcast. Your episode with him, I loved, and I, I loved how you kind of got into the, the concept of the nothingness on Edge. Yeah. It's like a bare minimum kind of situation. So do you think that the nothingness of Edge was tougher than anything? Maybe not even for you, but for other for other players. Yeah, I've heard a lot of things about the Edge of Extinction kind of in retrospect from people who... Um, it's interesting. Some people forgot what that place was and others remember. It was hard to have that nothingness. Um in my particular case, though, I think it was exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. I, I realized out there that I had spent years saying, you shouldn't be affected by this. This is just a reality television show. What's wrong with you? And in a lot of ways, that is correct. Like, you can't dwell and sit on it forever. But in that time that I had alone, I realized kind of with new players sitting there and really, like, getting to the nuts and bolts about the game part that I was still tremendously affected and I had kind of invalidated myself by not letting myself process my emotions so the edge was really hard because it was the first time I really had to face myself and realize all this work I had to do when I came home yeah you say that you had like that edge was super powerful for you in many ways and very emotional and obviously with 43 minute episodes we cannot see yeah. Um, all of the work you did, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, it it, it was. I The Edge could have been its own thing. Like, the relationship I had with Reem, she's probably one of the people I... She is, like, the person I talked to the most. We're very close. I was close to Chris out there. Um, yeah, and Joe, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, it was an intense place. A lot of yelling, too. Not, <laughs> I wasn't the yeller. I was usually the, like, oh, my God, this again. But it was a lot. We're going to get to Chris. You just said his name. 
Chris, yep. So we talked about this with Kelly, but Chris won it all despite not playing the entire, you know, game traditionally. Sarah Aubrey said, why did she vote for Chris to win Edge? And on my end, were you expecting the backlash that you received for doing so? Yeah, so I didn't think it was even a question uh, when I watched... um I, I was considering Gavin, but when, when I watched Final Tribal, mm-hmm. um, it was very clear to me that, in my opinion, Chris had made the most of the time that he had. He uh, valued the things that I value, which is making the most of the time you have, pulling the strings. Uh, and then, um, I've said this before, I don't want to like harp on it, but, but Gavin did say that the Edge of Extinction was a disadvantage. And I had a hard time with that because I believe that you no one deserves to be on Survivor. You go by the grace of the Survivor gods and they determine what those parameters are. Mm-hmm. And it was just difficult for me to hear him say that the thing that I lived was a disadvantage to him because that, that was my reality. Like, mm-hmm. was I supposed to quit the game because there was the edge of extinction twist and no one liked it? Yeah. So it just, it, it wasn't a question for me. Now we have some overall survivor questions which are usually my favorite jennifer rosenthal said which season was her favorite and why co-wrong because the magic was there the same amount as it was for everybody else bailey scott this is kind of a toughie but she's changed so much from her first season so which season does she think she grew the most as a person edge of extinction i I think I did a lot of the growing. I can't tell if I grew more in co-wrong, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people visually would say co-wrong. But the edge of extinction made me realize that all of the lessons that I learned in the first two seasons and the beginning of the third were nothing if I didn't do something with them in my life. And that's what I'm really focused on now. Jen McClellan said, does she play for money at this point or for the love of the game? For the love of the game. Thought so. Samantha Elizabeth, what is a theme that she would like to see producers use for a future season? I would love to see a season with a cast of all players who were voted out first. <laughs> I, oh, I would love that. Okay. I would love to see, like, Darnell and Reem and Sierra Easton are some of my favorite people I've played out with. Played with. I, I would love to see that. I would love to see first. Okay, season. let's make it happen. You have access to producers. We don't, so... That would be cool. Uh, Morgan Ellis, how long does it take to recover physically from filming? Oh, well, I will say as you get a little bit older, even a couple of years, it takes longer. Oof. Uh, physically, I edge of extinction. Whew, I still feel like my body's not quite the same, probably because I did three in a row. Right. Um, it takes a couple. It takes... I'd say up to a year to get your muscle mass back. I remember guys saying it took them like a year to feel like they were almost there, but they never quite got back. How much weight did you lose on that season? On Edge of Extinction was the shortest time I've been out there and the most I've lost. I lost like 24.6 pounds. And what's that? What's that first meal like? I feel like you would almost feel sick. Yeah, it's weird. I couldn't eat as much as I wanted to. You're not hungry anymore. Yeah. Um, Something actually, I don't get hungry like I used to hmm. anymore. Uh, I think I can just mentally like shut off like the hunger sensation. It's more like I'm tired and I can't move is how I know I'm really okay. hungry. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty wild what it does to your body. A lot of people just wanted to know if you have any biggest gameplay regrets. I know everybody loves talking about me crossing out Peter's name. 
or Julia's <laughs> name. Uh, regrets. 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 Um, it's it's not a regret of gameplay so much as my general mental state going to the edge of extinction is that I let my anxiety uh, overpower my intuition and intuition mm-hmm. was something I thought I always had and I've kind of spent my time since the edge of extinction trying to reclaim my my intuition. That was very jarring for me as someone who's always had a good sixth sense to lose that. And so I went and did, I'm certified in advanced intuitive healing. Like, Love it. Yeah, just losing intuition is my biggest regret personally and within the game. This is one of my favorites. Mackenzie Hartley, tell us one thing about Survivor behind the scenes that the average viewer doesn't know. The average viewer does not know. I, I guess it would be like how much you're actually on top of people. Hmm. Like I've had people like feed me food like out of their mouth. Like you, it's like disgusting, but like it's not... Like, I don't know that people fully grasp the how you just lose all personal space boundaries and you are doing anything you can to stay warm. In general, what game do you think historically does better? A strong social game or a strong strategic game? I, that to me is such an, that's so arbitrary. That's so dependent on the cast. It's a time and a place and the combination of people you have, like... And then I also think it's funny that people get pinned like you're social or you're strategic. Like one of the things with me is people said I'm not social at all because they were trying to figure out why I didn't win. And I kept hearing that argument. I'm like, if I wasn't social, how was I able to like make actual moves where I stripped someone from their alliance and like got their vote? Right. Or like something like people always say like Zeke. Zeke is a strategic person. I'll tell you socially, Zeke's been one of the most special people to me personally. Mm So I'm like, how can you just say he's all strategic? So no person is just strategy or social and no one way is the way to win. You have to gauge who you're with. Do producers on the show ever ask leading questions during confessionals that might hint at things that are going on with other players or maybe just to increase paranoia around camp? My experience is that they were just asking me questions. Okay. I would say for me too, like I don't stop talking and I almost felt like I produced myself. <laughs> they didn't even have to be there. Yeah, they didn't. I would just be like, <laughs> they would ask what was going on at camp. I mean, that was my experience. But okay. like I said, I'm in my own little like talking world. I know other people might have other experiences. Do you have a favorite Jeff story? Oh, yeah. It was so funny. I was delirious, uh, edge of extinction, like day 11 Mm -hmm. or whatever, right before I went home. And we're all on the like floating challenge dock or whatever you'd call it. And I just hadn't even processed yet. Like, oh, everybody's here. And so everybody's lined up. I didn't realize we were filming. And I look over like down the line, poking my head out. And he's like, Aubrey, hi. I'm like, what? Your, your shirt is green. He's like, no, it's not. It's blue. I'm like, no, Jeff, your shirt is totally green today. Stop lying. So I would talk smack to Jeff all the time. Here's what I want to talk about. We started about it a little bit, but just in general, kind of yeah. the social media hate uh, um, that you get. And you said something that made me kind of sad on, on Rob's podcast, where you basically said that you don't know if you feel kind of like welcome in the survivor community sometimes. What does it feel like to to have that notion about something that's clearly been so important to you 
in your life? Yeah, so it's hard. I also realize how in my, I feel like it's been like, sounds very dramatic, but it's been a process of letting go and grief of like this experience is over. Like I have Mm -hmm. to find like life after survivor, which sounds really hokey, but when you play survivor and you're waiting for it, it really is like, takes a lot of your attention. Mm -hmm. And I've been in that mode since 2014 when I was casting through the end of the edge of extinction. And it sounds super dramatic and it's partially me kind of grieving the loss of this. And I know no one's thinking about me that much or cares, but it's really hard to feel like you're not allowed to have a voice you're the last person in terms of like fan analysis who's allowed to have a voice about the very thing that you lived. In terms of being part of the community, I will say there have been some people who've been absolutely incredible friends to me of making me feel like I'm always welcome. I'm actually gonna say their names. Uh, Sarah Lacina from 34, Troy Zan from 34, Zeke from 34, and on this season, Kelly, Lauren, and Reem have been absolute angels to me um and joe anglum is always wonderful i I could go on and i know i'm missing people but there are some relationships even like hannah shapiro Mm -hmm. i saw she happened to be in the virgin islands with adam klein when i was there with my family and they were really nice about like hey how are you doing like can you explain to me why you felt that way and i have to remember that just because i had this experience with people doesn't mean i have to be their best friend friend at the end of it mm-hmm. and just because I have this experience with people doesn't mean they're out to get me in real life like I have to remember that because yeah. I can be like, triggered being around survivor people me too it's okay <laughs> do you feel like at this point it's healthy or or you are actively kind of stepping away from survivor a little bit yeah so I it was so funny because I even like coming to talk to you mm-hmm. or Gordon asked me to do the power rankings with Reem I felt like a hypocrite. Like I said, I was going to step away, but now I'm still talking about it and doing stuff. But um, what I would say is this, it's been a gigantic part of my life. And I think anything that's been a big part of your life, you can simultaneously want to hold on to some part of it to feel like it's still a part of you because it is, but also kind of move on. I am stepping away in that I am managing it differently. Like if people say stuff, I'm trying to be like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm observing that and not reacting to it. So I'm trying to find that balance of stepping away, but also including it in moments so as not to totally cut it off cold. I think there's a difference, too, between, you know, talking about it sometimes and reliving it versus like going to cast parties and doing appearances and like doing this and that and live tweeting. You know, I don't think by you doing this that you're like actively involving yourself. I think you're just talking about what you experienced. I want to ask you, did you ever think as an adult that you could grow as much as you did doing a reality television show? There's nothing that shapes you so quickly to be introspective, to uh, be strong. You know, you're getting, not everyone is, but... I I did, you're getting annihilated by people who are commenting on every flaw of yours that sometimes you don't even know you have until you go on a show and you're like, oh yeah, I can work on that. I've had moments where I'm like, why did I ever do this? And then like 0.002 seconds later, I'm like, thank God I did. Because like I said, I never would have realized the things I needed to work on. And Mm -hmm. I, I, 
I think the biggest gift of Survivor was that I learned that there's one thing to intellectualize something because I can, I'm very emotional, but I intellectualize my emotions. It's one thing to logically know something. It's quite another to feel it in your heart. And it's quite another to actually put it into practice. So Survivor made me realize that even if I know something is good for me or bad for me, it means nothing if I don't do it. And also that that whole question of external versus internal validation. I was raised in a very achievement heavy background. I would assume that you are someone who's achievement oriented as well. And Survivor helped me realize the limits of kind of relying on the outside validation in my life and trying to better understand what it means to want something, to want something from within and not what I should do because it's something that the outside says. I don't know if I would ever have figured that out. I think I'm closer to being the person that I am because of Survivor. It's a work in progress, but as much as I've had a hard time, it's the closest I've ever been to me. And the last thing is Survivor taught me to really value those relationships and realize that just because someone's in a has an opinion it's up to me to decide whose opinion matters and so you would go back on you would not i mean i i guess i can never say never after i said never and then went but (laughs) i don't think it would be the right choice for me i mean there's so much more i want to do i I really want to get back to my journalism roots my storytelling i i want to tell people's stories I think there are other adventures in life. You don't need to be a reality television junkie to get them. This was joyful. You're lovely to talk to. Oh my gosh, thanks. I feel like I want to know so much more about you when I was doing all this talking. Girl, it's not about me. <laughs> no one wants to know about me. Maybe I'll bring back Odd with Aubrey. And That was a question, was where to go? Why is it come? Like, hello? It should come back. It I should. I've just been working. I have a new job. I've been working for a PR company as the VP of digital marketing and it's yeah it's great it's just it's i need to make sure that i'm telling other people's stories though it was a podcast everyone by the way there's episodes that are still up you know what this will make me i have i have to like put my soundcloud back up maybe i'll put them all back live see what you people should. think yeah and you know you inspire me too you really do i remember i've stopped watching the bachelor i cannot do the same thing over and over again no offense happiness to all who are involved i vividly (laughs) remember your season and i remember being like oh this is funny ha 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 and then i was like oh my god she has to live through this now oh yeah so so much empathy for you and respect for your showing your vulnerability and actively talking about it mental health awareness is so important and so many people still don't quite grasp i think it's generational i think it's cultural that it is as much health as physical health. And if you feel down or you have anxiety, like there are other people who feel that way and will stand with you and understand and there's help. We are two of those people. You message us, we will help. (laughs) Right. And I want you to share your social media, but I only want people to actively follow if it's a positive thing. Yeah, and if it's not positive, I know how to deal with you too. And I'm happy to help you find a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) Um, my social is at Aubrey, A-U-B-R-Y, B-R-A-C-C-O, no E in my first name. I'm stalking you online and there's a lot of E's in the name. And I'm like, do you even know her? It's also people that have like played with me. And I'm like, damn, if you wrote my name down, you'd write it wrong. <laughs> like Sydney on my first season would say, you spell my damn name wrong. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I, I, sorry. I told you 45 minutes and it wasn't. So, um, thank you. get back to your day. Thank you for talking. I hope we can be real friends. Cause I feel like we have a lot in common. So I do too. Okay. Let's make it. Let's happen. be real friends. Okay. okay I'm, I'm down. For Yay. Okay. Have a good day. I'm going to run and jump in the shower. Okay. All right. Be well. Bye dear. Be well. Bye. Bye.